any banter. We can get some banter. We don't need banter. Oh, they're all bantered again. Away, 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 away. <laughs> Dawn is away. Oh, three minutes. She's going to be another three minutes? She said, she just sent me a text saying three minutes. Oh. Okay, you just said that at the 19 second mark. So at three minutes and 19 seconds, I expect this phone nah. to be ringing. So, Ray, how was your flight in? You flew in, right? His arms are still tired. away from New York. You yeah. walked from New... I thought you walked from New Jersey. Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. I forgot. I live in New Jersey. That's right. <laughs> I try to forget that I live in New Jersey. <laughs> I don't blame How's you. How's that working for you? <laughs> Not very well. <laughs> yeah, what's the temperature in New Jersey right now? Uh, between uh, zero and 1,000. Oh, that, that's nice and narrow. That, that's, that's actually a temperature I prefer. What? what? Zero or 1,000? No, between the two. Ah, but I can tell you a truth, though. Uh-oh. The, the, um, You're telling it to 20,000 people. Omit, so. the, this isn't being recorded now, is it? Oh, yeah, it is. Yep. Yep, get out of here. Yeah, it yep. is. This is our, I hit the record button. This is our witty banter section oh, of man. the podcast. This is, this is the inmates <laughs> out of the asylum part. <laughs> I want to I sound like I'm a professional, man. I've been sounding like a jerk up to now. Right? <laughs> Only for the last minute and 26 Hello, seconds. Hello, audience. This is the professional Ray speaking now. <laughs> This is the ray you're looking for. Well, actually, now, if you want to know the truth, though, this weather out here is delightful because the humidity is so low, you can't sweat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and when you can, it's too hot, so it doesn't matter. And when you do sweat, you get it on the stamps, and then you're really in trouble. Rich, say something, please. Rich? I'm good. You're good? What? You can, tell, you can tell me out here. What's the worst it. you're going to do? Cut it out? Never we have a lot of guests like that. Hold on. They only talk to say hi and bye. Well, she says yeah. she's at her office. Yeah. Oh, I hear her. Oh, she she speaks. Hi, Don. I do. Hey hi, Don. Hi. Hey. You have to do a new countdown. I, I know, honey. I was just about to do it, and you stepped on my line. Oh, sorry. Step on my line. We're doing it live. Doing it live. Do it live. I can. I'll write it and we'll do it live. Look at them, madam. Have you ever in your entire life seen anything so beautiful? I'm sorry, I don't know anything about stamps. I can't stop this feeling deep inside of me. Girl, you just don't realize. A stamp museum? Oh! Stamps? Those are for snail mail! Stamps rule! I mean, suck! And look at this it's a Bolivian airplane. Now, it says it's worth eight cents, but really, it's worth 12. See that? Already ahead. Came right out of the blocks with a winner here, Chris. So nice to meet What's you. What's going on, Shasta? You got a book. Actually, it's a book of old stamps. What you got? Well, I have a stamp in here that I think could be an 1868 Benjamin Franklin Z Grill stamp. Well, first of all, uh, I think it's fair to say that uh, I wouldn't be with you here today if I didn't have something to plug. One from Spain and two from Japan. I got a couple from Israel and Azerbaijan. I got a plenty from Poland, but none from Sudan or from Fiji or Uzbekistan. Stop.
Stamp collecting happens when we dream together. Live from Studio 54, this is Stamp Show Here Today, episode number 145. I'm Cash. Our test audience results are in, and well, sorry, listeners. This is Scott. Sorry, Cash. This is Tom. Hey, guess what? I ordered a, uh, a chicken and an egg from Amazon, so I'll let you know. <laughs> and I'm your stamp mistress, on. And today we're talking about the classy stamp collectors. Are you classy? Let's see what class you are in. Cash, what does that even mean? You'll know when we start talking. We are here with our guests, Ray and Rich. Oh, please introduce yourselves. Hi, I'm Rich. I'm from the state of Ohio. And your perceptions about that state are exactly right. Nothing ever happens there. <laughs> Hi, this is Ray Lieberman, and uh, I'm the founder and editor of 100J. And if you don't get 100J, then you're not getting all the latest news, because 100J is the best grading newsletter in the entire world. And if you want to, you want to see it, just send us an email. And your email address is? Ray at 100J-grading-newsletter.com. That's long. That's long. Well, it's worth it. <laughs> yes, not subscribing <laughs> is its own punishment. Well put. <laughs> and you know that we have a grading contest every month where you can win up to $150 in cash. Oh. Actual cash. Cash Ooh. money. Cash Real. money. That's right. No cash credit. Yeah. And, of course, the employees of PSE are not eligible. Ah, oh, damn. Darn it. I'm not an employee. <laughs> well, then, so, so, don't so, get I'll your give, so I'll give you the guess and we'll split the money. Uh, don't tell So them. we're talking about classes of stamp collectors today. And this came up uh, today at lunchtime. And uh, well, well, we were talking about yeah. uh, who do you see at a stamp show? And so we came up with these little characteristic classes of people that you see at stamp shows to kind of just put people in little groups. Yeah, because we're all about pigeonholing people, judging them quickly and putting them in a pigeonhole, right? That's right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we do it with stamps, we can do it with people. <laughs> well, I'll start off because I think that I am in a category which is growing, but it's not normal, is I really like... I, I put myself in the class of sort of a historian. I like the story behind the stamps. You know, I want nice stamps. I want pretty stamps and stuff like that. But if the stamp doesn't have a story to it, if it doesn't have a historical concept, if it isn't something that, you know, you can look at as a relic of history. Oh, wow. Look at those tire tracks across that stamp. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, if it was a wagon tracks from some, but yeah, I'm, I'm very much into the story behind the stamps. That's why I like Chester Arthur. You know, we, we always have fun with uh, Rutherford B. Hayes. You so know. you're saying you like postal history too? Well, yes, except that I have found that postal history tends to be defined as this stamp went on this letter and then it was carried over this road. And that's and the, kind of not what the, I care about. To this about. post office. And yeah. Then it was transferred to this mailbag and went to that post office. 
You know, one of my favorite. Well, one of my favorite was when we were talking about the uh, the uh, Congo and uh, Dag Hammer Schold Schold whatever. Him. Take two. Dag. Dag. Da- yeah, Dag. So. You know, you had this whole story about this whole region that was reflected in the stamps they issued and then the stamps the United States issued and then the stamps Mad Magazine issued. And it it sort of tied everything together into historical events. And that's really kind of what gets me really excited about stamp collecting. Ah, okay. So that's my class. Uh, We'll call that class H for history. (laughs) All right. Well, I originally started out in the treasure hunter class because I was looking to find that really rare stamp that I could cash in on so I could buy more stamps. Uh-huh. So that's that was my whole impetus for really getting into stamps. I guess you could say I started out as just a let's fill those spaces collector. But I graduated to the treasure hunter, and now I'm just – I don't know what class you'd put me in now, but I still do a little bit of both. The hoarder class. <laughs> <laughs> I, I prefer to call that the accumulator class. Ah. There you go. <laughs> uh, I started out the same way Scott did. I was filling spaces in an album and then moved on to other things. But I found about 10 years went by and I was definitely a hoarder. And my wife will back me up on that. <laughs> um, Besides hoarding, I also specialize in a few issues, and so I guess in a sense I'm a specialist collector as well. What are you specializing? Parcel post. Oh, that's Special a cool handling. one. That's a cool one. Nice. Yeah, I started getting to, into that specifically looking for, and again, uh, I don't know if people know about the Orangeburg coils, <laughs> but it's a very, very rare, rare coil stamp. Well, I don't kind of care about the coil stamp, but the company that used it, I forget what the name is. AT&T? No, no, no. no the no. other company, Colbex. Colbex. Anyway, it, it, they had a certain thing that they were mailing. Well, they also mailed a bunch of other stuff, and they used three and four cent parcel post stamps. So I'm looking for those also. And I have the bottles that they used to ship. You know, you can buy those online. You know, you just type in the name of the company and but, you know, it's, that's interesting. I love the parcel post stamps. Do you want to hear a good treasure hunting story? Sure. Yeah. Okay, now, for the, yeah. re- for the readers of 100J, this will be old news, but most of you out there probably haven't read 100J from September, October. A very good friend of mine, and I'll just call him Larry H. for the time being, went to a garage sale where he found a big book full of plate blocks. And that, be honest with everybody, that was the first time he ever saw stamps at a garage sale. And he looked through it quickly and decided there was some real nice-looking stuff in there. So he bought it and went home. And then he looked through it quickly, and he selected the C11 stamp, you know, the one with the beacon, the bicolored one. And he had a plate block of six of that. And he looked at it very carefully. Now, Larry has been a winner in our graded stamp contest more than anybody so he has a great view of stamps, and he can really classify them very quickly, whether they're going to be an 80, a 95, a 98, or God knows 100. And he got a couple hundred bucks, I guess, in the 
Well, contest? he's got more than a couple hundred bucks from us, and I'm, you know, oh, cool. We were gonna, we were gonna <laughs> eliminate him from the contest somehow, but we yeah. can't, you know. <laughs> Either that or rename it the donation to Larry H. Contest. <laughs> yes, unfortunately, yes, yeah. But anyway, Larry, Larry submitted two stamps from that plate block, and lo and behold, one was graded a hundred, never hinged. And the other one was graded 100J, never hinged. Mm -hmm. And both of those are the two highest never hinged stamps for that, that stamp. Now, what he did, and I'm not, I'm not going to tell you the exact prices because that would be a little bit, you know, out of character. But uh, give, give us the I'm going to tell you the profit percentage he made, though. Are you ready for this? 40,000%. Actually, when we did the newsletter... I had to go and I had to look at that and recalculate it five times before. I had never seen a percentage profit of 40,000%. But that's called treasure hunting, folks. Yep. And uh, it's uh, it's out there every day for you who want to go and look through stamps and send them in and see what they give you here at PSE. The grades are pretty good. I've, we went through a whole exercise yesterday, and these people know what they're doing with grading. Tom? Oh, I'm the total treasure hunter. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm either looking for I'm either looking for stuff for reference since I'm you know doing uh, doing expertizing, or I'm looking for stuff that I can buy usually on like eBay and get a decent price on, and hopefully get a good grade on it. Well, the other type that I see all the time are the completion collectors, and they will have a catalog. It, generally, it doesn't go all the way up to today. They're, they're space fillers. They're space fillers. Yeah, yeah. But, right. but, but space filler doesn't sound that nice, but, but completion does. But they'll they'll carry around a list of what they oh, need yeah. to complete their collection. Mm -hmm. I, I have a friend who I won't mention his name, but he has a worldwide collection, and he's going for completion, but he's only going for completion on his birthday. He wants every stamp from every country that was issued the, on the year of his birth. And that's pretty cool. Absolutely. Yeah, that's cool. I've, I've heard of that. Yeah, luckily he wasn't born in like 1820 <laughs> or 1862 or something where it would be really expensive. Or <laughs> or February 29th of a certain year. Oh, no, no. He, yeah, he collects the entire year. But I've seen, you know, I collect U.S. number 11. So they worked on the 29th and you find those guys. Yep. Fun stuff. Oh, yes. Well, there's a few other types that we observe at stamp shows. Anybody think of one? Well, what about the people who are in your stamp registry? Well, you know? they're, they're sort of, well, I'll say that they're, why don't we add, uh, inst uh, for category C completion, we'll have competitive completion. Because the people who go into the registry sets, they want to complete the set, but they want to complete the set, the best set. So we'll have like competitive completion. Is that a fair? Sure. Term? Why not? Okay, I'll call it CC. Okay, and there, there's also the um, the postal history people who don't really care much about what stamp it is. They care more about the rate and the markings on the cover. Well, but get into that because postal history has more to do than that. Well, yeah, it's, it's cover collectors. Right, and they tend they tend, not always, but they tend to be more in the exhibitor class. Oh, that's that's a category yeah. that we didn't have here. Yeah, they e, tend e for exhibitors. E's for exhibitors, and uh, if you're if you're competing in traditional exhibits, 
a lot of times you have to have a lot of money to put together some of these exhibits. Oh yeah. Um, there are there are some exhibits you can do on a budget, uh, and there are some classes of exhibits you can do on a budget. But um, the ones you typically see at a stamp show are uh, you see them walking around. A lot of times they're in suits and ties and things like that, and uh, they just kind of uh, they're the more I don't know. They just kind of ooze money. <laughs> I don't know. I, I I have to disagree because well, I, I exhibited. I got a Vermeer, by the way. I got a Vermeer. But I also heard that uh, congratulations to Cash for winning the uh, uh, best story for stamps in an exhibit. Yeah, and who 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 uh, sponsors that award? Well, PSE sponsors the yeah. award, but PSE absolutely has nothing to do with the selection. That's purely the judges. And yeah, they, and they don't know who the exhibitor is when they award it. That's true, but so still you sit there and you got know, the award for the best story. Yeah, but I got my own award. <laughs> yeah, but what yeah. story was that? I'm sure listeners would yeah. like to know. Oh, I uh, I talk all about the Industrial Revolution. And I start in 1850 and I end in 1859. And the whole, the sort of punchline of the exhibit is what was the first modern stamp? And so you ask, well, how do you define modern stamp? And you go, well, you have to look at the other five frames <laughs> because I define modern as, you know, they, they went into uh, steam power, people were moving, the price reduction had a lot to do with it, patronage, uh, you know, stuff like that. Uh, interesting thing too is uh, Mr. Hotchner was my main judge, and so he gave me some stuff because me and uh, I, I, I don't know for sure, but I think that he would be an H class collector because he's a lot into the history or at least the storytelling side of it too. Well, he's a magpie collector. Yeah, yeah. He's into everything. Yeah. yeah, he's a magpie collector, but he likes to investigate the where's and the why's and mm -hmm. the, yep. the how's and things like that. Which is what I love. Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, he I know he has he exhibits con, uh, counterfeits yep. and errors and EFOs and things like that. That's that's one of the areas that he really likes. Oh, I will. He likes the oddball yeah. stuff. I will give two shout outs to people who when my exhibit was up, they gave me some very constructive and very, very good feedback. And one was Gary Greenberg, and the other one is Igor, and I apologize, Igor, I don't know your last name, but he's a, Don, do you know his last name? Uh, off the top of my head. Okay, because nice guy, and he's an exhibitor also, mm -hmm. and he was there as the, uh, Apprentice, uh, apprentice judging. So he was yeah. sort of the low man there, but he was looking at everything and he gave me some really good feedback that, you know, I don't think, you know, we were talking about oozing money. I don't think that my exhibit will ever get a gold because I'm not interested in spending enough money to get it to a gold level. But I really want it to be as best as it can be at the Verme level. And and that's that's one of the beefs that uh, some people have with exhibiting, is that uh, they kind of require you to spend all this money to get the higher level awards. Yeah. And really, what it's all about is education and having fun. Yeah. And when you take that away, you ha you take that away somewhat if you require somebody to spend a ton of money 
just to get a better reward level. And I think that's not really that fair. Mm-hmm. Well, they the way the judges do it, it is greatly based on rarity of the item. And, not, and that's really why PSE uh, sort of honors storytelling with the award we get. And I will say that, you know, we've given out four of these awards and I've only won one. If I, if I win but more than have, one, I've got a problem. But, but, but you haven't exhibited yeah. at all four of those shows either. Right. Well, yeah. Well, and there was a show where they didn't give it out because they didn't think any exhibit at the show told a story yeah. worthy of the award. Yeah. So that was also concerning. Yeah. So, it, what, well, going over it, you know, basically what the PSE award is for storytelling is it basically has to tell a story and not just, you know, it went over this railroad line. It's got to be something that goes back non-philatelic related that then relates to the stamps. Yes. I got a great story about that. In fact, the story was published in Linz a long time ago, but it was a letter and four or five of the C-25 airmail stamps, the 600 airmail stamps, were clipped to it and they were in really bad condition. But the letter went on to describe where these stamps had been, and, and it was a pilot in World War II, a bomber pilot, and he talked about them, all the all the places he's been over Europe and dropping bombs, over Africa. Then he actually ditched his plane in the uh, Philippine Sea, and he goes on and on about all where these stamps have gone, and then he's actually sending them to a friend of his. Wow. That's a story. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Make an exhibit, you'll win next year. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be only about half a frame, unfortunately, you know. Yeah, but half of a... I, you know, I love exhibiting, and I love the exhibitors, but sometimes you look at these exhibits, and it's like every particular position that this stamp comes in, and then every numeral it comes in. And it's like, why is this stamp important? What did it do? Or, you know, something like that. So they have some usages, and it's like... Yeah, well, it carried mail. It's a stamp. Big, duh. All all stamps carry mail eventually. Hopefully, I, I think the no. something that would be like a good story thing would be um, a while back. I think we talked about it on the the podcast about uh, this uh, young lady who was carrying um, various mail across the Confederate lines. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of her, all of her stuff were like all of the letters that she had were like by courtesy of her name was written on all of the covers because they weren't postmarked because she was carrying them herself going back and forth from the north to the south because she had family on both sides. And I just think you know having if you got a, enough of those to do an exhibit on that and just you now you're telling the story of this woman and I can't remember her name. But um, who was doing this back then? And you know, it's, it's basically um, you know bringing stuff north and then south throughout yeah. the war. Yeah. So why do other people collect stamps? I got one so, here, well, Don. Well, why do you collect stamps? I like them. Topical. topical. Yeah. I am. I Absolutely. am topical. Yeah. This is okay. So there's the topical collector. That's my mm-hmm. daughter. Uh-huh. I already have a T, so I'm going to call this type Class D for Dragon. For Dawn. Oh, okay. For Dawn. <laughs> for Dawn well, Dragon. Well, well, actually, Cash, I'd have two collections. Only one of them's Dragon. Two collections, only one's Dragon. He doesn't have headphones on right now. 
Um, what, uh, another another, another class it? would be the uh, vest pocket dealer. Oh, money. Yeah, the, the M class. The M class. These are vest pocket dealers who don't take a table or a booth, but they go from dealer to dealer to dealer buying and selling stamps from a briefcase. You know, they used to call those guys the satchel dealers. Yeah, mm. vest pocket yeah. satchel dealers, yes. And uh, that's exactly what they are. Uh, some uh, some of them have websites where they sell material that they buy at the show. Some buy and sell to dealers. Uh, but these guys are, you go to a lot of different shows around the country and you see the same guys and they, they fly all over the country and they do this. And that's their job. That's their business. So yeah, we, we can name 10 of them that, you know, I never see them have a table. Yeah. But they will be walking around and they will be buying and selling. And, you know, they'll buy something at a show, move over five tables and sell it. That's right. Yeah. Um, would you, it's would it's you, all about knowing your customers. Would yeah. you classify that along with the guys who will go to somebody's table, buy a collection, and then take it over to somebody else's table and try and sell it for more money? Sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're flippers. You know, there is a lot of fun in trying to make money with stamp collecting. Yeah, house flippers and stamp flippers. Yep. Mm -hmm. Flippers. And then, uh, you, so you have the, the regular dealers, some of whom have internet stores or brick-and-mortar stores even. Mm -hmm. There's a few of those left. And then there's other dealers who just drive from show to show, and they're just show dealers. Yeah. No internet, no brick-and-mortar. Well, we had Bill Hontos on, and he said he did 100 um, days a year on the road selling stuff. Yeah. And that's... That's serious. He, he sells a lot online, too. Yeah. And he, and he does shows. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was interesting. He put away his personal website and is now on eBay. I have to, next time we get in, in here, I want to find out why he gave up his personal website. Because he had OC stamps that he was selling stamps on. Now he only goes to uh, eBay and hip stamps. Um, might be, might have been just a time thing. Could have been. Mm -hmm. Because it takes time to, and and you have to sync all your inventories. Well, you guys sell stamps on eBay, right? Yeah, that's what you said. That's a whole different class because now you've got the collector dealer mm -hmm. as opposed to one or the other. And we both sell on eBay, although I still consider myself more of a collector than a dealer. Or try to sell on eBay. Yes, good point. <laughs> good point. Give them, give them your handle. What's your eBay handle? It's Redhawk, R-E-D-H-A-W-K, underscore eight the number eight the very the very exclusive underscore eight name yes cool what's your handle thanks for the memories one but there's a little dash between each word so it's thanks dash four dash the dash memories dash one and i know he likes it's, long too long. Stuff. it's too long he likes I know. long names i've sold stuff to you i think have you bought anything for me i don't know what's your handle on stamp eBay? and stuff Stampin' Stuff. Yes. 
Oh, yes, you, of course, from, yeah. yeah. Of course I have. Well, I know you have. You showed me an envelope from, yeah, like... you said that was from your mother. Yeah, when my mother was doing shipping. What year was that from? <laughs> 2009, maybe yeah. 2007. <laughs> yeah, I bought... But I remember what it was. It was horse stamps. Oh, <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah, I sell a lot of stuff. I, I um, support my habit. You have over a thousand lots every every time I look. Is that true? Over three. Over three. Wow. Yeah, three thousand. Wow. Yep. I used to have three lots up. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's Nothing fun. Sold. We could we could discuss eBay strategies and stuff like that later, because uh, that's a totally different market Absolutely. for how you sell stuff. Because uh, name loyalty matters very little. It's sort of like Amazon. You know, when you buy on Amazon, you don't care who you're buying from. It's just the lowest price. Um, but on the other side, you have to have a certain amount because you have to have a trust level because people are not going to trust what you're listing. And uh, I've seen some people, we were discussing uh, what 482 or 482A, whatever it is. It's a $1,200 stamp. And it's very, it's quite scarce. I think there's like 80 of them. And four eighty two is more than twelve hundred dollars. No, no, okay. What's the one? Forty two A. Excuse me. Forty two. I forget what it is. Uh, oh shoot. Anyway, um, we did a search, and there's like fifty of them, and they all have none of them are sorted, and they all have really small margins, and you sit there and you know they go, wow, you know this person bought this twelve hundred dollar stamp and only paid seventy five dollars for it, and it's like, well, actually, you know, it's a forty five cent stamp with the perforations cut off of it. And, you know, people, that's one of the harsh things on eBay is you have to have sort of a uh, a trust level. And there's a lot of people out there who just don't. It's funny being being a, you know, being an expert at PSE. Anytime I go to sell something to somebody, it's usually without a certificate, but if it doesn't meet my idea of a standard for that price, I just can't bring myself to sell it. Mm. I, I And a lot of times I undercharge or uh, give them more for their money than somebody else might. That's what's happening today on eBay. And, but exactly. That, but that's that's the problem. You know, I might take you know, some stamps that are worth 100 bucks and I'll sell them for 50 simply because, uh, you know, I'm so condition conscious that, it bothers me to sell stamps with small faults. Yeah, yeah. That's one of the things that makes it difficult for me to sell anything like that because if it doesn't meet my standard, then it must be garbage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's I still in a box in your house. And I didn't yeah. used to be that way because I didn't know. Yep. So what other classes are there? We got the newbie. Oh, that's a good one. You see the newbies, they come in and and uh, they're either completely, they've seen an ad and so oh, I think I'll check it out. I've never been to a stamp show. Or they bring their kids. Um, or maybe they inherited, you, you have the, the, oh, I inherited grandpa's stamp collection and what do I do with it? You have that group. Well, I've seen that quite they're, a few times where they're, they... They're not even interested they in... pick it up and the keep only, going. The only interest they have in stamps is getting rid of what they have for a pile of cash. 
Oh well, that's that's not <laughs> that's, that's not a class not of a class. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it's a class of people that you see at a stamp show. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, then we'll change that to dumping a collection. Well, no, there's the new collector, but there's also the collection dumper. CD class. Any others? Because I mean, I we could go on of collection dumpers right. for a long time. Well, you, you have the newbie class. And and I would actually throw every once in a while you see like a couple of Boy Scouts come through, in their uniforms. Mm-hmm. I would I would put them in the newbie class. Or do they want that merit badge? Oh boy, do they! But you know they're new collectors. But they're, I will tell you, yeah. I will tell you something though about the the Boy Scouts going for that badge. There was a show I think it was an Orco Expo several years ago, where. We had cut up Confederate oh, yeah. pieces. They went someone, crazy. Someone, someone wanted to cut 100J out of a Confederate sheet. And Cash had all the scrap for it. And we encapsulated them all, not as stamps, but as parts of stamps. Because there were generally, there were, you know, three quarters of the stamp and then, you know, sometimes the gutter or some other things like that. And so we just put on the the PSE flip that this was, you know, Confederate. And I'm telling you, they came by and they're like, are these really Confederate? And I said, yes, those were really, those are, they're not whole stamps. They're, they're, they're scraps of a sheet. I said, but they are Confederate stamps. They didn't last three minutes <laughs> after the Cub Scouts found out. They took every one that they could. Oh, yeah. That was a cool one. They were... Uh Number nope. seven with I've, I've Jefferson never, Davis on them, but that was a whole troop. That were, there must have been thirty or forty kids in that. One. Oh, more! But you know uh, what? I think for we the made amount, of them. For the amount of, for the amount of stamps that we had, oh yeah, the rest were left. They were yeah. all the, gone. They they wow. jacked the Confederate stamps completely. <laughs> I mean, I've, it's it was like it was like a run on the bank. Well, like I tell everybody who will listen, if you want to get young people involved, call them relics. Relics has a total different meaning to young people than it does to older people. Today, kids go to school and they care about relics. And so if you just use that word, you're using their tech, uh, their terminology. That's and funny because my wife calls me a relic. What does that mean? <laughs> young people really like you. Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> I think I'll stop that conversation. Then. <laughs> to your wife's detriment. <laughs> And then, you know, there's another class, too, though. Cash is another class. So the people who walk in, they don't know they're at the right show. They're just going looking ah! for another show, you know? <laughs> they walk around. So, it's the oh lost God. class. Yeah, I'll, yeah. Put, the, I'll put that class. as L lost. <laughs> <laughs> and there's also an investor class. Oh, we oh. already have money oh, class. The okay. I word. Don't well, use the let, I word. Let's here. talk about oh, investing with money. We talked about... You know, selling for a profit and stuff like that. But we were talking sort of about quick turnaround. Right. Let's talk about long-term turnaround. Let's talk about investing. Well, a lot of people in stamp collecting feel that investing is going to hurt the hobby, uh, that it's not a thing stamp collectors should be doing, and that it can't exist and coexist with more traditional kinds of stamp collecting. But I don't really think this is true anymore. And I think you see a lot of this because if you look at some of the prices at auctions, and the kind of information that's being kept and the way people react to it, there's definitely a, a significant number of people out there who are collecting for investment. Collecting for pleasure and profit. Yes. Yeah. 
They're not mutually exclusive. Well, I bring this up to people all the time who say, don't use the I word. And it's like, you know, I had an N-gauge train set, and it was huge. I had a big one. I did not buy a train expecting to sell it and re-get my money. I bought it, and I knew that it was, you know, eventually going to go in a trash can or something like that, that I would not recover funds. But on the other side, I didn't spend $500 for something. You know, I spent $20. If you get major money being spent, the person has to be looking at getting their money back Absolutely. at some point. Or you at can't least say, a, por- a good portion of it. Yeah, yes. you, you can say, okay, I, I bought this stamp for a buck. Who cares, you know? But if you spend $3,000 for a stamp, you're going to want 3000 bucks back. Well, well, but you're probably not going to get 3000 Okay, fine. You get $2,500 back and $500 worth of enjoyment for owning it and exhibiting it and having the story and stuff yeah. like that. Totally understand and that. And that's reasonable. But yeah. you want money back. And as soon as you want money back for something, in you're my definition... You're an investor. You're yep. automatically into investing because you are looking at getting money for something that you purchased. And that's the that's definition. That's the definition well, of investing. Well, and it's and you have the collectors that go that way. I mean, look at the way that I started collecting Disney pins with my wife. We got annual passes and we decided to do it because it was something we could do together at the parks. Mm-hmm. Is you know, buy some pins from the store and then go and trade them with the cast members. And suddenly it's, we had more, and then we discovered, wait, there's people that will actually come to the park not to go on rides, but just to stand at a table and trade pins all day? And it's a strange thing, but that's what they would do. And it's like, then you start looking at some of those, and you realize, holy cow, there is a whole world to this that I didn't know existed. And it's like, what's this worth? You know, how is it that, you know, we developed from this is something for us to do together to we're going to go to this place, wait in line for hours and hours on end so that we can buy a $15 pin so that we can turn around and sell it to somebody for 90 or a hundred bucks. That's funny because I remember you did that and you came back with two sets of pins. You broke the one of the sets and you kept one of the sets and you sold me the marquee pin out of the set. Mm -hmm. And I think I paid you, 60 or 70 dollars which was probably the price of the whole set yeah because there was probably four pins in the set and they average about 15 bucks a piece yeah and so i and you kept it you kept it for how long that was me being an investor i kept it for about two years and sold it for how much uh just under 300 dollars. investor investor (laughs) i mean the one and only disney pin he's ever owned he invested in that's right and i made money so the cost of my, you know, the cost of having 60 bucks tied up for two years, uh, it was worth something, but I made well more than that. So, yeah, but it, I had, I lo- I liked the pin. I enjoyed it for two years. It was in a, it was on my desk at the office and I looked at it every once in a while and says, hmm, maybe I should sell this sometime. And then I put it back. And by the time I and listed it around uh, around Christmas time on eBay, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, and I and I just I thought, well, you know, it's it's time to clean off my desk and get rid of it. And I looked on eBay, and, and this was at a time when I was just starting to do eBay again. 
and as well i need stuff for my ebay store so i put it up there and and it was great it, it sold and it was i was happy and somebody else was happy because they got a, basically a brand new pin and tom was not happy tom was, well, happy. Yeah. Tom was happy i made i made my money when i sold it to him yeah i can't i can't as an investor or someone who's doing the quick turnaround, you can't be unhappy that someone else is going to make more money later because otherwise you're going to be a long-term investor. You're going to keep it. You right. know, I was doing it to feed a pin hobby. You know, we'd go, um, we'd try and get two or three sets. If it was something that my wife or I was interested in, one of them was for our collection. If we got the opportunity, because they were limited edition, if we got the opportunity to buy a second or even a third set, then if we had the money, yeah, we buy them because we sell those almost immediately or keep one for a yeah. couple of months hoping that the interest keeps going up. And then we've that money has, has – we didn't pay anything for the pins in our collection. Yep. Yeah. And, and have money left over to do it next time. Well, and any good dealer who's selling collections is going to realize that the guy coming along to buy it is probably a treasure hunter and is going to want to try and find something. So he's going to leave, leave a little meat on the bone there for the next guy. And it's going to be, it'll probably be a decent deal. Uh, the, if you're trying to get every last dollar out of it, it's going to be hard to sell stuff. Mm -hmm. Gee, I tried it with my Beanie Babies, but it didn't work out too well. <laughs> yeah. Hey, well, see, there, yours and mine both. <laughs> there was there was the risk you ran because they decided they were going to stop doing limited editions, and as soon as they announced that, the market tanked. Yep. A hundred percent. Yep. Because they still make them. There's Beanie Babies yeah. still out there. My my kids have some, but I remember um, a girlfriend that I had at the time, her mom. They were everywhere in the house. It was almost scary. But that, <laughs> but she was one of the people that was going out there trying to find those limited edition ones and paying yep. decent money for the ones that she couldn't get herself. But, you know. Oh, you had $1,000 Beanie Babies that are now, you know, maybe 100 maybe. And those limited editions didn't turn out to be so limited. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah. that's the other thing. So let's see. We have the Class H Historian, the Class T Treasure Finder, the Class C, Completion Accumulator. The Class CC, Competitive Completion Accumulator. PH, Postal History. The Class E, Exhibitor. The Class D, Topical. And we called it D because Don's Dragons. Uh, class M has to do with money, whether you're selling or investing. The Class N, The New Collector. And the Class L, The Person Who's Lost and uh, Just Falls Into the Stamp Show. So if, if you can think of any other class, hit us up on our Facebook page and let us hear about it. Well, Ray and Rich, thanks for joining us today. Dawn, don't forget the 100J contest every month. Oh, I remember. Our pleasure, Dawn. <laughs> Thank you both. Bye-bye. It's a to send up. It's a to send up. Thank you for joining us. This has been Cash, Scott, Tom, and I'm your host, Dawn. Continue the conversation at Stamp Show Here Today on Facebook. You can ask us questions, see pictures of the stamps, make comments, and add to the conversation on Facebook. 
You can also ask the experts your stamp questions at bluepaper@gradingmatters.com. You can listen to all of our past podcasts at stampshowheretoday.com, podbean.com, iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast listening platform. And as always, keep collecting. This episode of Stamp Show Here Today is brought to you by the Philatelic Book of Secrets, the book that teaches you about repurse, regums, color varieties, and much more. Get yours for $10 at www.philatelicsecrets.com today. Hi, this is Ray Lieberman, the founder and editor of 100J, the world's best grading newsletter. It's free to anybody who cares to understand more about grading, and you can subscribe to it by emailing ray at 100j-grading-newsletter.com.